3: Good morning, America. This is the Cast Roundtable John Cash, with here Sunday morning. One great show. We have General Wesley Clark, Supreme Allied Commander of NATO. What's going on with NATO? Ty McCoy, Assistant Secretary of the Air Force. Alan Dershowitz. What's the truth about impeachment? Congressman Mike Waller. Dr. Peter Mihalos. And let's start the show with Senator Rick Scott of what's going on in our country. With us today is Senator Rick Scott, a successful businessman, a successful governor of, uh, of the state of Florida, a successful senator. Senator Rick Scott, so many problems in our country. Where do,
4: where do you want to start this morning?
0: Well, the big thing is we've got to figure out how we hold the ITRO accountable, uh, Xi and China accountable, Putin accountable. um, And also, we've got to take care of the people in our country. We've got to secure our border, and we've got to get this economy going. Uh, So the biggest thing I'm probably working on now is how do we get this border secure? Now, we've got drugs that are killing Americans. We've got criminals that are killing Americans. We've got terrorists. Um, that are, I'm worried about a terrorist, many, many, many terror cells in the country, and we've got human traffickers in this country. So we've we've got to secure a border, and then we've got to figure out how to create more safety for Americans and and democracy all over the world.
3: And I, I don't understand. I, I know a lot of Democratic senators uh, for many many years. Why are they pushing that the borders have to remain open? Uh, and, and they're saying, "Well, we're looking to keep it open," and they're trying to blame the Republicans for not agreeing to it. I just the the, the normal American doesn't understand why.
0: You know, I don't get it, John. I don't understand. You know, the seventy thousand people died of fentanyl overdose. They killed Democrats, not just not just Republicans. Um, look at the criminals; they're killing. You know, they're killing and. and crime against Democrats, just like Republicans. Our country is not as safe as it was before Biden got elected. And when we get hit by terror cells, you know, the director of FBI said there's terror, cell, terror cells all across our country now as a result of an open southern border. It's not going to just hurt Republicans, it's going to hurt Democrats, too. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, when I was governor, I always thought everything starts with public safety. Nobody builds a business in an unsafe area. Nobody goes to school in unsafe areas. Somebody wants to live in an unsafe area, so what they've done with this open border is they've made every community less safe. So I don't know why Democrats are, uh, you know, are, are doing that. I don't. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Now the other thing is I don't get is I don't get why they don't understand that every dollar that's spent is a taxpayer's dollar. Somebody's paying a tax for that, and so why do they? We we're running this year. We're going to run almost two trillion dollar deficit. Last year, two and a half trillion dollars uh, deficits. All that, that's what's causing mortgage rates to go up, car payment interest rates to go up, credit card interest rates to go up. So I don't get why the Democrats don't understand that when they go waste dollars, it's causing somebody's interest rates to go up.
3: Uh, I agree 100%. Uh, has, has anybody figured out uh, why President Biden is favoring Iran so much or favoring China so much? I mean, I mean, is it because of his son? What what do you think the real truth is going to be when we find out someday?
0: I think the China one, it's his family. I think they've made a lot of money off China. Um, And so I think that I don't understand Iran. But, you know, I've talked to Blinken and I've talked to um, Sullivan. And they just all from day one. Are have this attitude that oh if we talk to these guys they're going to turn out to be good guys they're not you know what bullies are bullies she's a bully Putin's a bully the North Korea dictator is a bully the Ayatollah is a bully and so the only way you stop them is you punch them in the nose and like, look at the Ayatollah now I mean I don't know how many attacks we've had on our servicemen and women and we've lost some and you know Biden's response. Is you know, please don't do it again. Basically, so I don't get this. We we're, we're gonna we need to have a president that's going to be strong, is going to hold people accountable, uh, and this one's clearly not doing it.
3: Uh, agree 100%. Uh, what is going on all of a sudden? The last a few days, uh, Putin seems to have raised the stakes. Uh, more, uh, Congressman Mark Green has. Uh, uh, yelled out that uh, there is things going on that uh, American people are not being told um, has is is Putin raising the stakes uh, uh, similar to what Ronald Reagan did to the Russians uh, in 1986 87 uh, saying that uh, we have special weapons being th- launched in outer space
0: well i think i think what's happened is i think you have to assume that every day Putin gets up, he says, how can I beat America? I think every day she gets up. Every day I totally gets up. Every day Kim Jong-un gets up and says that. I mean, we have enemies. And if we don't understand that we have people that want to demolish, completely demolish our way of life, then we're foolish. And so what we've got to do is say to ourselves, okay, so how are we going to get better? And so, like, I do not understand why anybody buys anything made in communist China. I don't get it. I mean, they want to demolish our way of life. It's real simple. They, the government of China hates our way of life. They want to dominate us. They want to tell us how to lead. And so we know that Putin wants to to control all of Europe. Uh, We know the Ayatollah wants to control all the Middle East. So we know these things. And so how we have to respond, but the simplest one is the American public has to say, say we're never going to buy anything from communist China and if we do and their economy goes down there's less of a chance that they'll will have will go to war with them uh so is the way i i think about it so what i'm trying to do is educate americans about the problems with china i can, did you know that you know 70% of the garlic sold in this country is made in in china and it's made with sewer water it's black when it's finished then it's bleached white i mean that's not good for your family fish wow it, i it, never it, knew it, that yeah fish in china is grown in despicable areas And so it's it's toxic for your family. So we've got to make sure that every American understands that China, on top of selling drugs that kill 70,000 Americans a year, they're selling garlic that hurts us. They're selling all sorts of stuff that hurts us and hurts our families. They hate our way of life.
3: Senator, we have a minute or so left. Uh, What do you want to get off your chest this morning?
0: Well, I am running for re-election. I'd love to get everybody's support. You can go to rickscott.com to volunteer, donate, whatever you want to do. So I'd love everybody's support. But what I want everybody to do is get more involved, to get more knowledgeable about what's going on. When you do, you'll get a better government. Hold your government accountable by being active and asking questions. This is your government. It's not not somebody in in D.C.'s government. It is your government, and you are to demand better government.
3: Senator Rick Scott, successful businessman, successful governor of Florida, successful U.S. senator, and common sense senator, what we need in Washington. Thank you so much.
5: Bye-bye. This
3: is the Catch Roundtable. We'll be right back.
5: Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.
3: Welcome back to the round Roundtable. What's going on in the war? No better to ask than the former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, uh, General Wesley Clark. Uh, General Clark, so many things are going on in, in, in the world. I mean, we've got wars all over the place. And I, I, I jokingly say, but it's not too far from a joke, uh, how many countries have to be involved before you call it a world war? Can you give the American people an update? Let's start
1: wherever you think the appropriate place to start. Well, first of all, let's, let's put the big picture in place, John. We're in a new era today. We have to recognize it. This is multipolarity. And the old idea that the power of the U.S. example was so great that all we had to do was point our finger and snap our, our hands together and people would jump and do what we said, that's wrong. So uh, we're in a contested global environment. Uh, it starts with Russia. Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, Just because Vladimir Putin wants to regain the historic territories of the Soviet Union, he sees himself as a sort of modern Putin the Great, doesn't care how many people he kills or what economies he wrecks, and if he gets Ukraine or stabilizes and gets a pause in the fighting, he's going to move on to the Baltic states, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and maybe Poland, and they're all NATO members. So we're on the brink of a real NATO confrontation face-to-face with a nuclear-armed Russia. And then on the other side of the world, there's China, which is rapidly building its forces. Uh, uh, President Xi Jinping uh, said farewell to Putin in a visit last year in Moscow and said, uh, we're going to see changes in the world not seen in 100 years, and we're driving it. I guess that means they appreciate Putin. Trying to wreck NATO, and at the same time, what uh, China is trying to do is establish dominance in the Pacific and regain control of Taiwan. And Xi Jinping hasn't ruled out the use of force to do that. And that would put America in, again, in the crosshairs of conflict. And then there's the Middle East. And uh, there we've got a conflict in every direction. We've been uh, in a 40 year undeclared war with Iran.
2: Uh,
1: They call it a war. Uh, We try not to. Uh, They want to destroy Israel and attack the United States, I guess, uh, and drive us out of the region. And what we're trying to do is somehow bring peace and stability in the region at the same time, help Israel secure itself. So um, that's uh, got a lot of action going on right now. And then there's even Venezuela, which wants to take two-thirds of its neighbor Guyana and seize its uh, offshore oil rights venezuela of course being advised by iran china and russia so uh yeah it's a global problem and it's growing
3: well you you were uh, supreme allied commander i think 1997 uh, to 2000 under uh, president clinton and i did some work with president clinton too so it's different times today 30 years later 25 years later what do you think the best course is going to be i mean uh, Is Putin looking forward for Trump to be president or Putin looking forward for Biden to be president?
1: Well, Putin is looking forward to uh, being able to reduce significantly the power of the United States. And uh, Donald Trump has played along with it for his own purposes. I don't think uh, Putin believes he can control Trump, but he does believe he can influence him. On the other hand, he sort of sized up the administration and realized that The administration is not exactly prepared to stand up and risk confrontation with a nuclear armed Russia. So uh, uh, Putin's uh, winning, and that's the problem. The world sees it that way, and so many of our erstwhile friends in the global south, as they call it, are hedging their bets. They don't want to, they may like the United States. They certainly don't want to live in Russia. But on the other hand, they don't see the United States as strong and as forceful as it used to be.
3: Has the armed forces gotten weaker in the last five to ten years, or can it be easily regained if we have the right leadership?
1: Well, I think we do have to strengthen the armed forces, but we're busy reorienting. You know, uh, first we were involved in uh, the invasion of of Iraq, and uh, then we were fighting ISIS, and we were still in Afghanistan, and we finally got out of that three years ago. And for the last four or five years, we've been focused on China, And then Ukraine came along, and suddenly it looks like old-style warfare with new equipment in Ukraine. So there are trench lines, there's obstacles, there's tanks, there's big artillery battles, but there's also drones and missiles and Patriot air defense systems. So um, it's stretched the United States' defense budget tremendously. We're trying to support Ukraine, although there are some apparently a large number of Republicans and maybe a few Democrats that don't want to do this. That fight in Ukraine is our fight for our values and our freedom, and all we have to do is provide them some old military equipment, and they're doing the fighting and, uh, and, and the bleeding on it. Uh, it's a I hate to say it, but it's a bargain for the United States if it works. Uh, but uh, our armed forces are still volunteer- We've only got maybe 70,000 people in all of Europe, but we're also missing our recruiting goals and having a hard time recruiting young people into the armed forces. So it's not just a matter of rebuilding the the equipment in the armed forces and reorienting away from uh, counterinsurgency, but it's also a matter of reengaging the American public with uh, support for the United States armed forces and letting and encouraging their sons and daughters to serve. We've got about a minute left. What hope can you give that, we're, you know, things will straighten out soon? Well, I think, uh, you know, the first and basic foundation of America's strength is its economy. And um, I, I don't know what side of the partisan divide people are on, uh, but I do know this. The economy is growing. It's creating jobs. The level of inflation is down. And uh, there's not another country in the world that's doing better, growing its economy than the United States of America. So that's a good sign, and that gives us the capacity to do everything else. But we've got to get serious about national security, national defense, and our armed forces, and we've got to face reality. This is not, not the 1990s. We're not the sole superpower. It's not about America, the exceptional, America, the indispensable. Now it's America first among equals, challenged on all sides. Uh, And it's not just the power of our example. We've got to show the examples of our power.
3: General Park, thank you for everything you've done for America and continue to speak out for America. Uh, God bless you. God bless America. And let's catch up again real soon. Thank you, John.
6: The Cats Roundtable. With
3: us today is Ty McCoy, the former assistant secretary of the Navy, a West Pointer. Ty, well, good morning, This intelligence thing that happened between the White House and the congressman, what do you make out of it? I mean, is there really a threat or is there – what's going on in that one?
6: Well, I think in a way it's part of the overall effort by the Russians to put pressure on the United States to uh, negotiate, uh, put pressure on us to negotiate and push the Ukrainians to negotiate a truce so that there has always been a threat, a nuclear threat, a threat of uh, placing nuclear weapons in space or nuclear-powered weapons. And I think the intelligence that has been discussed and may come out today is talking about the Russians may have plans. Uh, They may have leaked those plans on purpose to us as a way of putting pressure on us to engage with them more and be more in communications with them, including uh, bigger communications on such things as getting a truce in the Ukraine. So I think the rumors of nuclear, there are also rumors of the Russians maybe giving some nuclear assembly components to the Iranians. Uh, the Iranians have talked about receiving six uh, sets of components that would allow them to make the bomb. I think also uh, Putin recently increased the age of conscription or the draft for Russian uh, people from uh, to age 65 for enlisted, if you can believe that, and 70 for officers. And they have put new laws on the books. They're negotiating and talking up big deals with the north koreans for ammo and the russians are in the the chinese the stalled aid in the united states so i think the russians are seeing an opportunity to throw out a number of things that show they can continue to march and they can continue to cause us big problems unless we uh, start to fall back from our determination with nato to retake all the ukrainian territory including the crimea so i think NATO right now and the U.S. are a little bit on the back foot by virtue of these levers that the Russians are throwing out on a steady basis, these uh, points and points of pressure. So I think that's what this recent announcement is about. And I think it's part of the overall situation to uh, put Ukraine, NATO and the USA in a position where we feel like we have to uh, negotiate, uh, including threats of the big, you know, Russian counter-offensive uh, coming in the spring. Uh, so I think it's all part of the, as, as Winston Churchill said, in dealing with these matters, it's talk, talk, and war, war. And so I think it's part of uh, the the war, both disinformation, real information, real leverage points, some phony leverage points. So I think it's part of this uh, contest between the axis of evil, if you would, the axis of resistance against The democracies and the more rules-based order of the Western countries, including NATO, Europe, Japan, South Korea, uh, even some of the um, Southern Hemisphere uh, that have democracies, but who are staying out of the fight right now and letting others, you know, such as us, carry the burden. Now,
3: Congressman Green, did he get this from the intelligence community or— or, or do you get it from any special community? Because Congressman Green all of a sudden pressed the uh, the panic button on Wednesday and says, I have to see the president. The president has to make a statement to the to the American people. To me, we knew the Russians are always helping the Iranians, et cetera, et
6: cetera. Well, you're right. And a lot of these points that are coming at us to put pressure on us and try to make us back off from supporting Ukraine, I think that noticeably the timing of this announcement by the Congressman is very close to when the House of Representatives is supposed to take up a vote on the aid bill, the vote on the aid bill for Ukraine and Israel without any legislation included in it that would protect our southern border. So it's very interesting that this all of a sudden becomes such a um, dramatic new thing, a new relevant information. Comes out just about the time that NATO and the White House and the Senate, which voted uh, 70 votes for it, want this, this aid, aid package passed. And of course, the, the House of Representatives does not want to pass an aid package uh, for these other countries, protecting them without some legislation, including uh, for our border. So I think it's part of the pressure campaign that's been orchestrated to get this bill through the House without uh, border protection for the United States.
3: Ukraine. What the heck is going on? Nobody really knows. Is Putin making those moves because it's a political year? Would he rather be dealing with with, uh, President Trump than dealing with
6: President Biden? I think that he would. I think that uh, he feels Trump is more of a deal maker and is somebody who's able to do things more quickly and more effectively, uh, be more decisive, and that he can work something out with him. Uh, He's seen Trump work out things in the Middle East, such as the Abraham Accords. Uh, He's seen uh, him work out things with NATO, including getting NATO to spend uh, uh, more money. So he feels like he's in a position himself that if he had a counterparty, such as Trump, on the uh, other side, that they could find some common ground at least to get into a truce, if not a freeze, if not a— armistice uh, to allow the kinetic activity to stop, even though both sides would continue to uh, arm themselves for another go around, uh, continue to spy on each other, continue to try and and out position the other one in diplomatic and foreign policy matters. But I think Putin would like to get to a, um, a cessation of the active kinetic activities to allow him to claim some victory and to uh, to really uh, have a chance to reboot for the next uh, next go-around in several years, the same way he uh, initially uh, did, invaded Georgia in 2008 and then uh, Crimea in 2014. In uh, 2021, he, he invaded in in the Ukraine. So he's looking for, I think, a little bit of a respite and feels that he's in a position to negotiate now a uh, better than he was uh, by virtue of some of these things that we talked about before. So I think he'll negotiate with whoever he's got to, but I think he would prefer somebody that can uh, frame a deal and, and potentially work something out.
3: It seems like the White House and Israel, Netanyahu in particular, are really yelling at each other, really have fighting with each other, even though it doesn't show up in the papers like that.
6: Well, I think you're right. I think there's some real... Uh, uh, personality differences that are coming to bear and some real policy differences and and real differences in the appreciation of the threat you know the israelis are facing a genocidal administration in gaza hamas uh, was elected by the people hamas uh, is educating children in the, in the third grade to to kill jews they are a sworn enemy of israel to to abolish it along with some other states such as iran so Netanyahu feels like he's justified based on what's happened and what he knows they want to have happen in taking a very hard line. And he doesn't quite, you know, understand why the American, Americans don't support that and really back him privately. Now, publicly, he doesn't mind the U.S. saying, hey, we're about a two-state thing. We love the Palestinians. We we want everybody to be treated equally. But uh, he, I think, expects a lot more support privately, which he's not getting. And uh, it's, it's causing some concern among uh, the, all the other officials in Israel. But Netanyahu is holding firm, and he knows he has only a limited amount of time to uh, try to finish off the battalions, the remaining active battalions of Hamas that are down in Rafah. Uh, and he wants to do it while he still can.
3: Well, Ty McCoy, former Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, thank you so much for filling in the American people, and
6: we'll catch up with you again real soon. Sounds great. Good to be with you, Kat, as always.
3: This is the round Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Round Roundtable. If you ever missed a segment or want to hear it again, go to wabcradio.com, go to podcasts, go to MiniCast, and play back your favorite segment. With us today is Alan Dershowitz. He is the uh, leading constitutional lawyer in, in the world and in, in the country. Uh, Harvard Law School Emeritus uh, ser- served in Harvard Law School for over five decades. Professor Dershowitz, Secretary Mayorka was impeached the other day, and the average American person doesn't understand what it means. Can you explain to the American people what the impeachment would do. I mean, to me, I don't understand it either. Does he he stop getting paid?
4: Nothing happens whatsoever. Impeachment is simply the first step toward removal. Being impeached is like being indicted. When you're indicted, you're not convicted. When you're impeached, you're not convicted. The process of impeachment is a twofold process. You're impeached by the House, and then you're tried by the Senate. But in this case, everybody knows that the Senate won't remove. And so impeachment is used as an end in and of itself, an embarrassment, a way of simply saying, we, the House, think you ought to be removed. We know you'll never be removed. We're not going to take away your salary. Yeah, there may be a little asterisk by your name in a history book, but nothing will happen unless you are removed, and we know you won't be removed. So we're using impeachment simply as a political tool to express to the world our dissatisfaction with the job you're doing. Uh, sh-
3: wouldn't he even take the position, uh, I'm the secretary of, of Homeland Security, and I, but the commander-in-chief told me to do
4: this? Well, that wouldn't be a defense if the commander-in-chief told him to do something that was a high crime and misdemeanor. Uh, say, you know, they asked him to take a bribe or they asked him to um, commit uh, some kind of extortion conduct. It it would never be an excuse to say my commander in chief told me to do it. But here what you have is just a policy difference. You have the Democrats wanting to have a looser border, the Republicans wanting to have a tighter border. I think the Republicans are right about this, but um, they're 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 impeaching him because, the, the Republicans don't agree with the Democratic policy. They can't get to the president on this, so they're going to his designated cabinet member, the Secretary of Homeland Security. But they're really what they're doing is they're attacking the policy of the administration, and that's not what impeachment was intended to do. I understood. And uh, to get a
3: real impeachment, uh, they would need, uh, what, 66% or 67% of the Senate?
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they'll never get it. They, We haven't had a successful impeachment in our history. Um, it was it Very close during right after the, the Lincoln administration it was very close uh, with Andrew Johnson. Um, but it didn't make it, missed by one vote. And then, of course, Clinton was impeached, and it was not even a close vote. And then Trump was impeached. I was one of his lawyers. Uh, he was impeached twice, and there wasn't even a close vote. Here, they don't even intend to to really move forward for a vote. They're not going to devote any time or energy to this because they know what the result is going to be. Even some Republicans will vote against impeachment because they realize that's not the proper tactic here. What what Congress should have done is simply issued a statement of condemnation saying we don't agree with the secretary's attitude. We think he's not enforcing the law. We think he's making Americans unsafe by his border controls. We condemn him. They could have done that, but by using the impeachment provision, I think they abused the Constitution, as the Democrats did when they twice impeached um, President Trump. Well,
3: understood. And uh, so, basically, it's, it's it's just public relations, uh, or or letting yeah. the public know that they're dissatisfied, and nothing's really going to happen. And uh, uh, yeah, anything but it, it could be dangerous.
4: That. It could be. Da- it's dangerous because impeachment is very important if it's used properly. Alexander Hamilton, who wrote in the Federalist Papers that the greatest danger of misuse of impeachment is if it's used just for partisan purposes, who has the most votes. And look what happened here. They didn't have enough votes. They missed by two. And then they took a second vote. And the only reason they won is because one guy had positive for COVID and he couldn't come, a, a Democrat. And the other guy, his plane had a, had a malfunction, and it was stuck in Palm Beach, and so he couldn't vote. So just by a complete fortuity, they won by one vote. And uh, so it's it's very political and very partisan on both sides.
3: <clears throat> Professor, I, I, I have to tell you, I wish, the, I wish the Washington was a little more civilized. I think both of us agree the same thing.
4: <laughs> Me um, too. That's why I love your shows, because you're so civilized, you bring both sides to bear, common sense. And uh, I love being on your shows.
3: Thank you. And we love having you. Is there anything you want to get off your chest?
4: Yeah, I want to get off my chest that I think the Biden administration is doing the wrong thing in relation to Israel. They should be encouraging Israel to finally defeat Hamas. You know, Biden said the right thing about Ukraine. If, if, If the Russians win in Ukraine, they'll go further. They'll try to get more property. Why doesn't he say the same thing about Hamas, if Hamas wins, if they're not defeated, it's coming to a theater near you. They're going to start attacking all over the world. So I wish that President Biden would be consistent with his policy toward Ukraine, policy toward Israel, and strongly support Israel's legitimate effort to destroy uh, Hamas after what it did to so many innocent people and how many hostages it took. So that's my complaint of the week.
3: Thank you uh, so much, uh... Professor Dershowitz, and uh, we'll catch up again real soon.
4: I hope so. Thank you. The Cats Roundtable.
3: With us today is Congressman Mike Lawler, and he's the congressman up in Westchester County and further north uh, in Rockland. Uh, Congressman, is there anything that keeps you up at night? Uh...
5: Well, obviously, the, the migrant crisis continues to be a major challenge. Since Joe Biden took office, nearly 10 million migrants have crossed our southern border, most of them illegally, 90% of them released into our country within 36 to to 48 hours of being detained. You know, John, you're an immigrant. My wife is an immigrant. She came here from Moldova uh, over a decade ago in search of a better life. We welcome immigrants. Immigrants enrich our community, our culture, our economy. Uh, But there has to be a process. And what's happening now at our southern border is an absolute catastrophe uh, and it needs to stop. And so that, that is a major challenge uh, that, that keeps me up at night. Sir.
3: Uh, well, uh, Congressman, I'm an immigrant, and I've said to all my Democratic friends, and I have a lot of Democratic friends, that we don't mind immigration. But how about Ellis Island, where we check, have checks and balances who comes and goes? I mean, immigration, Yes. But let's have some checks and balances. What say you?
5: No question. And, you know, look, my my great-grandparents came through Ellis Island. Uh, Our immigration system needs to be fixed. We want a much more merit-based immigration system to fill the economic needs of our country. We have a population decline in this country, and we're going to need to fill the jobs of doctors, nurses, engineers, home health aides. These are critical jobs going forward. But there has to be a process and we need to to have a system that works.
3: yes, 110 percent we can't just invite the whole world to come here and then we our cities become responsible to feed them and it's just a little bit silly, a little bit crazy but congressman, I want to thank you for coming or uh, 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 calling in this Sunday morning and, and let's catch up again real soon.
5: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Jeff.
7: And joining us now here is the attorney general of the great state of Virginia, Jason Mayaris. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, there have been so many headlines of late about crime in D.C. Right. A lot of it gang related and cartel related. Talk about what you are seeing because you're right next door.
8: Well, I mean, D.C.'s crime problem is becoming Virginia's crime problem. And, and we are seeing both how it's hurting local businesses. You're seeing right now the The uh, Capitals and the Wizards are are trying to relocate to a site in Virginia that's only five miles away from where they currently play, but how they treat crime in Virginia is very different than how they treat crime in D.C., and they really have had this uh, criminal first, victim last mindset where it's almost like a catch and release program. The the average arrest record of somebody picked up on a homicide charge in Washington, D.C. is 11 prior arrests.
7: 11 arrests. Right.
8: 11 prior arrests. And so – These are not people given second chances. They are repeat, violent repeat offenders. And think about it. This is one of our nation's, this is our nation's capital. We want people to be able to visit and enjoy our nation's capital. People don't feel comfortable doing that. When you don't prosecute entire categories of crime, it leads to a a lack of quality of life in these cities.
7: What about the gangs? Because we're seeing that, of course, a lot also in New York City, where there's these rival gangs, the Venezuelan gang with MS-13,
8: ruthless When it has been said that every state is a border state, that is, there's so much truth. Because what has happened is, in the old days, you needed a couple things for a drug distribution. You needed acres of land, you needed good weather, and you needed a distribution of people on the ground that could distribute your narcotics. Well, what has happened with fentanyl and synthetic opioids is, you don't need acres of acres of land. You don't need your poppy seeds to to be able to be grown. You just need essentially the right precursor chemicals. They can be manufactured everywhere. They come over from China. They get them over the border. They'll manufacture them in the United States. But what has happened is the cartels have practiced this form of vertical integration, um, which is just ruthless. They've wiped out a lot of our local gangs that you've seen. and They've created blood, really these these bloody gang wars about drug turf. So um, MS-13, there's a reason why you don't necessarily hear much about the Bloods and the Crips anymore. It's about couple number of years ago that Sinaloa decided to essentially join or die and wipe them out. So it has been a horrific explosion. And then you have on the border enough fentanyl crosses our southern border to kill every man, woman, and child in America three times over. So you, you have a chaos at the border. You, have, uh, you also not just have drug trafficking. You have human trafficking, which is the world's second largest criminal enterprise. That's $150 billion a year. Enterprise And the average going price right now that the cartels are charging is about $15,000 per person. They force you to work that off, tragically, sometimes through sex or labor. And so it's a level of human misery and exploitation because the Biden administration lacks the will to close the border, unlike anything we've ever seen. And the, and, and really to put things in perspective, back during the Obama administration, Obama's uh, Homeland Security director said that the average of about 1,000 or so crossings, encounters a day with the illegal immigrants – which is about 30 to 40,000 a month. He they referred to that as a crisis. Their words not mine. In the month of December alone we had 300,000. So by a factor of 10 what we were dealing with under the Obama presidency and you get a sense of why so many schools and so many schools neighborhoods and cities are being overrun right now.
7: And we don't know who's coming in. I mean, that's the other issue, too. They're the gotaways uh, Mm. that are coming in, and they're coming in from all these different countries. You see the reports of the Chinese. You see the Iranians. You see the Syrians. You see, I mean, this is, it it is an invasion.
8: Over 200 individuals on the terrorist watch list have been apprehended at the border. So if you have an idea of how many have gotten through that we don't even know where they are, where they're living, multiply that by seven. That gives you an idea of what we have, whether they are, Iranian train or Chinese train, if uh, of, of you look at the nationalities of who they are encountering on the border, consistently, China is one of the top five. And so it, this misnomer that these are just people crossing the border from, say, Mexico, that's absolutely false. They are coming over from Middle Eastern countries all over the world because they see what's happening on our border. They fly to Mexico. They can You just can go on a social media app, so many of these individuals, and they They know where to pay their mules, how to get them over the border, and then this is probably one of the most frustrating things. Of the people that are actually stopped, 83% of them are given the equivalent of a traffic ticket. They give a a ticket that says, we will see you in court August 15, 2028. Yeah, by by the way, there was
7: one that was in uh, like 3032. I
8: mean, are you kidding me? It's insane. And so um, the idea that we would sit here, and this is where Americans get frustrated, we We've always embraced the idea of legal immigration. We, we have a million legal immigrants a year that come in. They do it the right way. It's where Americans are because they feel like they're being taken advantage of.
3: This is John Katz from TDs. If you want to hear the full interview, go to WABCRadio.com. This is the Catch Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Round Roundtable. With us today is Dr. Peter Mihalos, our in-house genius and an expert, a historian, a doctor. You know, I call him Live Long and Prosper. How do we live longer and prosper? Dr. Mihalos, give us this week's report.
2: Well, this week we're going to talk about a very important topic, and that's how blood pressure is involved in anti-aging, because anti-aging, we think of a lot of the basics, but it turns out that blood pressure is involved in many aspects of aging, health span, and lifespan. First of all, just to educate our audience on what exactly uh, is blood pressure, well, we need blood pressure to distribute our life-giving, nourishing blood throughout our bodies. And basically, our heart is the master pump of blood. And when our heart contracts and pushes the blood pressure along, the blood pressure that happens the moment the heart is pumping is called the systolic pressure or the top number. And when our heart muscle is relaxed and it's in the resting phase, that pressure is called the diastolic blood pressure, and that's the baseline blood pressure. And blood pressure is measured in millimeters of mercury, which is basically the force that the blood pushes against the wall of the arteries that transports the blood around the body. And then our veins are the collecting tubes that basically gather up all the distributed blood and then return it to the lungs to fill up like fresh gas, fill up with fresh gasoline or what we have is our gasoline oxygen each time. And then the walls of our arteries have actual muscles in them and those walls, they can change in size and that changes the size of the tube or what's called the lumen of the artery. And this is an important feature because as we need the blood to transport and travel through different things affected, like temperature, stress, you're standing or sitting and laying down. So a sedentary lifestyle, the arteries aren't expanding and contracting as they would if one were active and exercising. So what happens is that if they're not moving, then you get hardening of the arteries. That's why things that cause vessels to dilate, like exercise, even just walking or even going to a sauna causes your blood vessels to dilate. So when those blood vessels are moving, it's harder for plaques and high cholesterol to harden against the wall of those arteries to aggravate the stiffening and the narrowing of the artery tube. And that can lead to heart attacks and strokes. And that's why when the arteries get hard and clogged and narrow, that's why some people end up requiring stents to forcibly open them to get more blood flow. Because when your heart pumps, it also has called coronary arteries and it feeds itself. So high blood pressure can cause a lot of problems because the body's organs can't tolerate it. It can cause kidney problems, heart failure, eye problems, aneurysms, which are bubbles or weaknesses in the walls of arteries. They can rupture with high blood pressure. And even the Alzheimer's uh, societies have put out a lot of information on memory and brain problems. Because when your blood pressure is up, the vessels say, I can't take it anymore. And they clamp down and they get narrow so you don't get enough blood to your head and this can exacerbate dementia, in addition to heart attacks and strokes that we just talked about. And it affects your health span, of course, and your lifespan. And you know, oftentimes people go for a quick 15 minute doctor appointment, you have high blood pressure, and they give you a pill, but they're not really spending the time to do detailed things like uh, my discussion recently with uh, anti-aging specialist, Dr. Magdalena Swarczewski, talking about diet, lifestyle, family history, genetics, the vitamins you take, the supplements, and doing extensive blood work with like at least 150 biomarkers to see because blood pressure can be also affected like things like hyperthyroidism and doctors don't always check your thyroid on every visit. You can have a hormonal imbalance that can cause you to have high blood pressure. You have to discuss diet to talk about the salty foods that you eat and people forget some of these basic things or what your exercise routine is. There are even things that can affect uh, the kidney, which can cause high blood pressure. There's even some tumors that can be around the kidney that can affect high blood pressure or low blood pressure.
3: And the average doctor, when you go into a CEO, the average average physician, uh, he's got 15 minutes, a half hour to see you, and he moves on to the next patient. And, you know, unless he goes into details on uh, different tests and different uh, the reasons for high or low you know it's a problem because of the amount of time he has
2: yeah exactly and that's why sometimes unfortunately you have to advocate on your own and you have to sometimes now that's why a lot of companies like the labs you could actually order some of your own labs to find out what you have for example if someone has very high mercury levels which I've experienced personally, and you have unexplained uh, rapid heartbeat, and you can get that from mercury toxicity. You can get anxiety, you can get a fast heart rate, and that can raise your blood pressure. Or even when you do genetic testing, I found out that I'm more sensitive to caffeine consumption. So if I have a little caffeine, it raises my blood pressure quite a bit, and my heart rate goes up. But not everybody has that effect. So the more knowledge we have, the more we can help our patients. And I think precision medicine and more direct medicine is going to be a part of the future. And I think part of it is going to be some of the testing we're going to be doing at home, getting the reports and then bringing them to the doctor and having to discuss it with them. And I suggest to our audience to have a list of questions to ask the doctor when you go. And just like you have to tell them when you're making the appointment that you have some questions and can they please allow, allow the proper amount of time? Just like when I tell people who have light skin and fair skin and go to the dermatologist, I said, tell them specifically that you want a total body survey to scan your entire body to look for melanomas and other lesions. Otherwise, you're going to get five minutes or you're going to end up you know, seeing the PA or the nurse practitioner and you're not going to get time to spend with the actual doctor. So sometimes doing your homework and telling them ahead of time your expectations it can be uh, helpful. And having, always bring a list of your medicines. And if you ever have to go to the hospital the emergency room, always try to bring your bottles of medicine with you so that all they know exactly what you have so there aren't any drug interactions. And in your wallet, always keep a card in your emergency contacts, your list of medicines and what you're allergic to, especially if you're on blood thinners. Because if you get into a car accident and you're unconscious, Somebody needs to know that you're on a certain blood thinner so they can know how to treat you if you had any trauma. So these are some of the health tips.
3: High blood pressure also, I I believe, affects uh, the possibility of Parkinson's and Alzheimer's.
2: Yes, because they've shown that the high blood pressure, the small arteries in the brain say, I can't take this high pressure, so they clamp down and they're narrow. And the narrower they are, the less nourishment. They bring in and the less cleanup, as we talked about on other programs, that the body does clean up. But in order to transport those systems and drain them out of the brain and bring fresh, clean cells and nutrients and repairing cells, you need to have good blood flow. So when you have high blood pressure for too long, that's one of the first places we diagnose it is actually an ophthalmology because the only place in the human body you can directly visualize blood vessels the human eye so when you start seeing arterial narrowing as an ophthalmologist you tell the patient please see your internist get your blood pressure checked that you have narrowing of the arteries in the back of the brain and if it's in the back of the eye it's in the brain and guess what it's also in the heart and we warn people when they have a lot of arterial narrowing, go get an EKG and get your heart checked too.
3: Well thank you Dr. Peter Mihalos and thank you for uh, advising how our friends and our listeners could live longer We've gotten so many calls about it, and uh, thank you so much, and we'll catch up again real
2: soon. Thanks for always getting the truth out and helping our patients live long and prosper.
3: Thank you for listening to the Cats Roundtable. Every Sunday morning we'll bring you the latest in what's happening in our community, our country, and the world. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.
2: Have a nice Sunday.